European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 39, Issue 5, Focus Issue on Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Frontiers in Cardiovascular Prevention Recently, the field of prevention has experienced important developments with new drugs such as proprotein convertase subtilizin kexin-9 or PCSK9 antibodies and RNA interference, a novel genetic treatment strategy respectively, sodium glucose transport inhibitors and anti-inflammatory drugs, as well as the new ESC guidelines on cardiovascular disease prevention and those for the management of dyslipidemias. Thus, it was timely to put all novel information into perspective in the Year in Cardiology 2017 Prevention by Ulrich Laufs from the Universitätszentrum Leipzig in Germany. All the trials relevant for prevention were performed on a background of optimal medical therapy as suggested by the ESC-EAS. The additional risk reduction by PCSK9 inhibition again stressed the crucial role of LDL cholesterol while, in spite of favourable basic science, inhibition of cholesterol ester transfer protein, or CETP, also with the fourth agent tested, revealed very little benefit. In contrast, the reduction of systemic inflammation using the interleukin-1-beta antibody canakinunab revealed very promising results, as predicted. Finally, antithrombotic therapy with low-dose factor ZAR antagonism, in addition to platelet inhibition, appears to open a new door in the prevention of coronary artery disease. Since these novel treatments have not yet been tested in combination, and because of the practical and economic limitations, patient selection is an important challenge. Also, the benefit to risk dimension of any new therapeutic agent needs to be considered. PCSK9 genetic variants that have large effects on low-density lipoprotein cholesterol and coronary heart disease have prompted the development of therapeutic PCSK9 inhibitors as a potential new approach for lowering cardiovascular risk. However, despite direct relevance to ongoing large-scale trials, the impact of PCSK9 on ischemic stroke remains unclear. In a fast track entitled Differential Effects of PCSK9 Variants on Risk of Coronary Disease and Ischemic Stroke, Gemma C. Hopewell and colleagues from the University of Oxford in the UK investigated the effects of the loss-of-function PCSK9 genetic variant RS1159-1147, or R46L, and five additional variants on ischemic stroke and subtypes thereof, such as cardioembolic, large vessel and small vessel stroke, in a meta-analysis of 10,307 ischemic stroke cases and 19,326 controls. The RS1159-1147T allele was associated with 0.5 millimoles per litre lower LDL cholesterol and a 23% lower risk of coronary heart disease. Thus, 
Although PCSK9 genetic variants confer lifelong low PCSK9 activity, lower LDL cholesterol, and a lower risk of coronary heart disease, they are not associated with ischemic stroke risk. This may have implications for the clinical use of PCSK9 inhibitors and trials with such drugs that incorporate ischemic stroke in their endpoints, which is further discussed in an editorial by Brian A. Ferentz from the Wayne State University School of Medicine in Detroit, Michigan, USA. Diabetes is a dominant risk factor for coronary artery disease, but until recently, none of the anti-diabetic drugs convincingly reduced risk in these patients. In contrast, sodium glucose transport inhibitors reduced the risk of cardiovascular death and heart failure hospitalizations in patients with type 2 diabetes and established cardiovascular disease. In a second fast track entitled Effects of empagliflozin on risk for cardiovascular death and heart failure hospitalization across the spectrum of heart failure risk in the EMPA-REG outcome trial. David Fitchett and colleagues from the University of Toronto in Ontario, Canada, investigated whether the benefits of empagliflozin occurred across the spectrum of heart failure in 7,020 patients with type 2 diabetes treated with empagliflozin or placebo. Overall, two-thirds had low to average, 24.2% high and 5.1% very high five-year heart failure risk. Protection from cardiovascular death and heart failure hospitalization by empagliflozin was consistent in all groups. Thus, in patients with type 2 diabetes and established cardiovascular disease, a sizable proportion without heart failure at baseline are at high or very high risk for heart failure outcomes, and this is consistently reduced by sodium glucose transport inhibition. The clinical implications of these findings are further discussed in an editorial by Francesco Paneni from the University of Zurich in Switzerland. Despite patient reports of neurocognitive disorders with lipid-lowering treatments, large clinical trials have found no significant association between neurocognitive disorders and lipid-lowering treatments. In their manuscript, No Evidence of Neurocognitive Adverse Events Associated with Alirocumab Treatment in 3,340 Patients from 14 Randomized Phase 2 and three controlled trials, meta-analysis of individual patient data. Philip D. Harvey and colleagues from the University of Miami School of Medicine in Florida, USA, assessed the incidence of neurocognitive treatment emergent adverse events in 14 trials using the PCSK9 inhibitor alirocumab. 3,340 patients, mostly on the background maximally tolerated statins, received alirocumab 75 or 150 mg every two weeks, 1,276 placebo or 618 azetamib. Neurocognitive treatment emergent adverse events 
were reported by 0.9% of alirocumab treated patients and 0.7% of placebo-treated and 1.3% with azetamib-treated patients. Rates of neurocognitive events were similar in patients receiving alirocumab with LDL cholesterol levels below 0.65 millimoles per litre or above this cutoff. One patient receiving alirocumab had a neurocognitive treatment emergent adverse event leading to discontinuation as compared to two receiving placebo and three receiving azetamib. Neurocognitive treatment emergent adverse event incidence was also similar between alirocumab and controls when stratified by age. Thus, neurocognitive treatment emergent adverse events are extremely rare with no significant differences between alirocumab and controls up to 104 weeks of treatment and they do not relate to LDL cholesterol levels. These important findings are further discussed in an editorial by Francois Mach from the Foundation for Medical Research in Geneva, Switzerland. In observational studies, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is associated with high risk of ischemic heart disease, but the causality of it remains uncertain. In their paper, Liver Fat Content, NAFLD, and ischemic heart disease, Mendelian randomization and meta-analysis of 279,013 individuals, Anne Tyberg-Hansen and colleagues from the Riggs Hospitalet in Copenhagen, Denmark, addressed this issue in a cohort of 94,708 individuals. They found that the risk of ischemic heart disease increased stepwise with increasing liver fat content, up to an odds ratio of 2.4. The corresponding odds ratio for ischemic heart disease in individuals with or without non-alcoholic fatty liver disease was 1.65. The genetic variant PNPLA3148M was associated with a stepwise increase in liver fat content of up to 28%, with an odds ratio of 2.03 for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, 3.28 for cirrhosis, but 0.95 for ischemic heart disease. In agreement, in a meta-analysis involving 279,013 individuals, the odds ratio for ischemic heart disease was 0.98. Thus, despite the observational association of liver fat content, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease with ischemic heart disease, lifelong genetically high liver fat content is not causally associated with ischemic heart disease. These provocative results are put into further perspective in an editorial by Konstantinos A. Parasinos from University College London in the UK. The hypothesis of metabolically healthy obesity implies that, in the absence of metabolic dysfunction, individuals with excess adiposity are not at greater cardiovascular risk. In a final manuscript entitled Separate and Combined Associations of Obesity and Metabolic Health with Coronary Heart Disease, a Pan-European Case Cohort Analysis, Camille Lasalle and colleagues from University College London in the UK 
tested this in a case cohort study involving 520,000 individuals. During median follow-up of 12.2 years, compared to metabolically healthy, normal weight people, hazard ratios were 2.15 for unhealthy normal weight, 2.33 for unhealthy overweight, and 2.54 for unhealthy obese people. Compared to the reference group, hazard ratios were 1.26 and 1.28 for metabolically healthy overweight and obese people, respectively. Thus, irrespective of BMI, metabolically unhealthy individuals had higher coronary heart disease risk than their healthy counterparts. Conversely, irrespective of metabolic health, overweight and obese people had higher coronary heart disease risk than lean people. These findings challenge the concept of metabolically healthy obesity, a conclusion that is put into context in an editorial by Xavier García Moll from the Hospital de Sant Pau in Barcelona, Spain. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.